Everybody stretch your arm to Benji. We're going to pray for him real quick. Now we're going to dive in, yes? Holy Spirit, give him discernment. Give him confidence. And I pray that your words would pop off the page to him. And that he would say exactly what you want to share tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Go Benji! All right. This is my first time doing this. Hello. Um, So... This is a message that the Lord's been putting on my heart for a while now. Um, And after worship tonight, after the specific songs that Lex chose, um, I really just felt the Holy Spirit tugging on my heart to give this message tonight. Um, So open up to Isaiah 6. That's where we'll be. Um, And what's beautiful about this passage is just the table it sets, the picture it gives of the Lord and who he is. Um, On a surface level reading, it's cool, but when you really delve into what's happening here, it's an amazing and beautiful passage just about the Lord and his glory and the response that Isaiah has to that. So um, I'm just going to go through the passage we're just going to talk about what everything means. We're going to talk about Isaiah's response and just kind of how that applies to us because it's just really amazing. It's really convicting. Um, so, yeah, let's do it. Isaiah 6.1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So we start off here and we see this like kingly and heavenly imagery of the Lord setting the table. And we see the train of his robe filling the temple. So Isaiah sees the Lord sitting on the throne in the heavenly imagery. And we have the imagery of his robe going to the temple. And that's where he meets his people. His robe, his presence fills the temple. So we have the Lord in his high, mighty, glorious, and kingly um, image while he's also intimately meeting his people with his presence in the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And these seraphim, um, it's the only place in the Old Testament where we find an angel um, described as seraphim, and literally they are translated burning ones. So we have these like torch-like beings with six wings surrounding the Lord. Um, And one thing that's really interesting to note about that is that they cover their eyes and they cover their feet. Okay, why? Why would these angelic beings cover their eyes? Um, And well... (laughs) I'll actually say that part later on because that's important for another part, but um, we just get another level of heavenly imagery of these burning, torch-like, crazy beings with six wings surrounding the Lord and singing his praises. And what do they say? They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at first, we sing holy, holy, holy all the time. Um, but 
there's actually so much more depth to it because um, in the Hebrew language, when you repeat a word more than one time, it's used superlatively. So like if I say gold, gold, that would mean like pure gold. Or if I say um, holy, holy, that would mean very holy. And this, this scripture right here is the only time in the Hebrew Bible where it's used three times where the superlative idea in the Hebrew is used three times. So what they're communicating here is the Lord is not only holy or holy, holy, but he is holy, 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 expressing that he is like infinitely holy beyond anyone's comparison. This is like a, holy, a level of holiness that is not even comprehensible because this is the only time in the Hebrew Bible where this idea is even used. So we find these like, heavenly ministers singing holy, 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 and just exalting the Lord above everything. He is holy to the essence of his being and more holy than we could even comprehend. And the whole earth is full of his glory. Once again, him being intimately present with his people. Verse four, and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Um, <laughs> Lex preached a sermon a while ago and back in the home days of um, how the father's voice is like thunder. And here we see again the father's voice being like thunder and the whole house was filled with smoke. And um, I think this harkens back to Exodus, the Exodus story of how the Holy Spirit appeared and made himself visible in smoke. So we see the father speaking and the foundations of the thresholds are shaking and we see the Holy Spirit showing up in the form of smoke. And then verse five, and I said, woe is me. This is Isaiah speaking. Woe is me for I am lost for I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in a midst of people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And this is so key because the image that he sees is so glorious. The image that he sees is so wonderful that it causes him to be aware of his own sin in such a way that he would say, woe is me. Um, when we are in this room, when we are in the presence of the Lord, it is so overwhelming and he is so perfect and so holy that like here we see Isaiah saying, woe is me for I dwell, for I am a man of unclean lips. He becomes aware of his sin. He becomes aware of how much holier the Lord is than he is. And he dwells in a people of unclean lips. Not, he, not only his own sin, but he's like, this is the God of my people. And I dwell in a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts, which is beautiful. Verse six, and one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Verse eight, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. So Isaiah 
becomes so increasingly aware of his sin, but then the Lord cleanses him of that. This seraphim touches his lips and he, he's clean. And there's a couple things to note about this. First of all, where does the, it, it's important to see why this seraphim touches his lips with the tongs. Because you look back and it, what does it say? He says, I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in a, a midst of people of unclean lips. And then slightly later, it says, and he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So Isaiah sees the Lord, says, woe is me. And then the Lord cleanses his sin, but he doesn't only just cleanse his sin in general, but he meets Isaiah exactly where he needs it. Isaiah says he's a man of unclean lips and the Lord touches his lips. So he he doesn't just cleanse our sin, but he cleanses our sin where we need it. He cleanses our sin exactly in the way that we need it. Everyone has you know, fallen short in different ways, but the Lord is faithful to meet us where we're at. The Lord is faithful to um, you know, touch our lips when we say, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, um, which is beautiful. And then Isaiah's response, <clears throat> is amazing. He says, here I am, send me. The Lord does not force Isaiah here. He says, he, he poses a question to him. He says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am. So like the absolute holiness of the Lord is something that is just absolutely unattainable. But the his atonement for our sins it makes us like able to access him. It bridges the gap. It um, goes, it takes Isaiah from saying, woe is me to saying, here I am, send me. And I think that first of all, this is a, a amazing image to picture when we're singing, holy, holy, holy. It, we're not just singing that he is holy, but we're singing that it, it, he is incomprehensibly holy and that he is worthy of it all. Not only that, but um, Isaiah's response here is amazing. He sees the holiness of the Lord. He's not worthy, but his sins have been atoned for. So he says, here I am, send me. If we have any kind of like understanding of the holiness of the Lord, and I think that I mean, shoot, being in here for worship today, like the presence of the Lord is amazing. I think the Holy Spirit just like witnesses to us his holiness. If we have an awareness of that, an awareness of how he's cleansed our sins and bridged the gap, then that needs to be our response is, here I am, send me. So I just... <laughs> I think we need to be reminded of just like what it means that he said cleanse our sins and the kind of response that we need to have to that. Because he sends, I mean, 
right after, if you've read Isaiah, he sends him to do prophetic ministry. He sends him into boldness. He sends him into like this amazing thing. And he had such an immediate response of like, you are holy and you've cleansed my sin. Here I am. Let's go. Let's do this. Just like this radical, radical level of just going in response to what the Lord did, which is amazing. Um, and I think that we need to have that response. What have you been doing that is that you need to change? How? What kind of heart position have you had <laughs> that's opposite of what Isaiah is doing here? How can you recognize again what the Lord has done so that this can be your response? How can you reframe what the Lord has done again so that this can be your response? In what areas hasn't this, here I am, send me, been your response in light of how holy the scriptures tell us he is, in light of the fact that he atoned our sins exactly where we needed them? Um, so it's just that radical level of going, of doing in immediate response, immediate response. And it, again, here, like, the Lord gave him an option. We have an option. It's not like we have to. It's not like, you know, the Holy Spirit forces my limbs or forces my voice to do anything, you know. But in recognition of the Lord's holiness, in recognition of what he's done, what's my response? And then, I think there's one other scripture that was on my heart. Um, this is Isaiah, it's in Isaiah 1, 18. It says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. And again, it was just what he was singing, just like this unbelievable imagery that Isaiah writes. Um, he says, let us reason together, which is crazy. He says, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Again, the Lord gives us a choice. Um, how are we going to respond to his holiness? How are we going to respond to his cleansing of our sin because he's worthy he is incomprehensibly holy more than we could ever imagine and <laughs> even back to the to the seraphim and the two covered his feet and with two he flew or uh with two he covered his face there in um verse two why would this heavenly being be covering his face because even these flying torch-like heavenly beings do not find themselves worthy to look at the Lord. Do not find themselves worthy to look at this holy picture that led Isaiah to say, woe is me. Just like unbelievable imagery there. Um, so yeah, that's what I've got. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for being in the room. Thank you for 
meeting us where we're at. Lord, you are holy, holy, holy. Every single time that we sing holy, 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 Lord, would you put this image into our minds? Would you remind us that we're not just saying words, but that we're describing the essence of your being? Lord, remind us just of how holy you are and the response that we should have to that. Lord, convict us, bring us to light um, areas in our life where we haven't said, here I am, send me, in light of your atonement and in light of your holiness. In Jesus' name, amen.